horror fan, best friends, and ghoulish nights, and welcome to the 20th episode of Murders with Mertens. I am your host, Joe, and this is a podcast about horror, thrillers, dark comedies, body horror, the horror adjacent, the supernatural, the psychologically terrifying, scary films in general. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool. Uh, viewers, thank you for your support. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. It all helps to get the word out and bring some much-needed love to this fledgling podcast. Still got that minor goal of getting that uh, custom URL, and it's it's been a slog. We're getting there, slowly but surely, but I still got about another 40 subs to go. So, you know, help or don't, you know, do whatever you want. I, that's cool, too. Uh, but enough of all that nonsense. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of welcoming back for his second appearance, Jose Ruckus. Brandon, how the hell are you, sir? Good, good. I'm doing very well. Um, I think that I found my niche as guesting on this show, which is bringing a movie that really stretches the borders of the definition of horror movie. And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. It's such a broad genre to begin with, so that's fun, man. Uh, you chose, uh, an interesting film, uh, we're about to dive into, uh, 1997's Funny Games, written and directed by, I think it's Michael Haneke, uh, yeah. who would go on 10 years later to do an English language remake with Naomi Watts, and, uh, I, I had not seen either. It's, this is wow. one of those things where I had always had intentions of seeing this film, I knew roughly what it was about uh but until i really started diving in oh no it was it was one of those oh you sweet summer child moments um yeah uh being that i have no history with this movie what's yours um okay so i watched this movie for the first time um i, I couldn't remember i think i've seen it twice before this um i seem to have memories of watching it in two different locations but I've watched it, uh, must have been either in 2007 or 2008 on Halloween. Uh, we rented, we would have, you know, Halloween movie marathons and stuff. We'd rent a bunch of horror movies. Um, we rented this one because we saw the trailers. The trailers looked pretty good. We really fell for the marketing on this one. We really took the bait. And um, it was a really weird watch where everybody in the room was just very uncomfortable. And when the movie ended, everybody was like, what the hell did we just watch? Um, it's probably my first exposure to actually like a um, a postmodern work of art. Um, you know, obviously, you know, grew up watching The Simpsons and, you know, things like that, that, you know, push like a lot of postmodernism, a lot of stuff mm -hmm. like that in there. But those it's, you know, always done for jokes. This is very much. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, more of an essay than it is a movie and uh it it really messed me up when i watched it the first time it's a movie that has stuck with me really deeply um like i said i think i i think i watched it one other time but i remembered every single thing that happened in the movie i remembered every little bit of it and this was actually the first time watching the the original uh german movie so this was a bit of a new experience for me um, but yeah, this, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about with this oh, movie. I'm really yeah. excited to get into it. Yeah. There's so much that feels like very, very intentional every little bit. It's, it's 
one of those movies where there is nothing that you are seeing or that's happening or that is said that does not have some kind of greater purpose or it's there. There's really just nothing that's throwaway. Um, yeah. And like, like when we did Mulholland drive, we got to the end of that one and we were both like, it's more of a feeling than an actual (laughs) thought, right? We have like ideas about what it's about, but we're not really sure this one. You know what it's about. Every <laughs> single thing in this movie is beating you over the head with its point. And uh, it's a movie that um, is really upset with you for watching it. I think that is an incredibly fair statement. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, yeah. I'm kind of feeling like maybe a second shower is in order today. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough watch. Um, are you familiar with Michael Haneke at all? Like, have you watched no, any interviews with him or anything like not that? Not at all. He's a really interesting filmmaker because he's a bit of like a zealot. There's a really famous interview with him sitting down um, criticizing uh, Spielberg for Schindler's List and okay. how he feels that uh, that Schindler's List is an unethical movie. Because specifically the scene that he brings up is the scene where they're in the showers and it's like watching, you know, the faucet and you don't know whether water's going to come out or gas. And he says, the minute you use that for entertainment value, you've you've become unethical. You're using filmmaking in an unethical manner. He says all this and then the camera zooms out to reveal who else is on the panel of guests with him. And it's John Krasinski and... um uh, what's his name? The guy who made uh, Knocked Up, Judd Apatow. Yeah, yeah, and they are both so extremely uncomfortable being on this panel with him. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I gotta yeah, look this up. So that's now. a fun. Yeah, I you gotta, gotta look, look, look very, this up. <laughs> it's very funny. Oh, that's oh Jesus. God, fuck. Um. <laughs> yeah. Um, and after seeing this movie, um, I, yeah, it's very clear what kind of guy this director is. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, has he gone on to do a whole lot of other work, uh, since? Yeah. He's, he's done quite a few movies. Um, and I mean, surprisingly, this is really his only movie. I think that's like a horror movie. Like, um. He's won, uh, he won a Golden Globe and uh, the Palme d'Or for the White Ribbon. Um, okay, I know of it. Which is, uh, yeah, it's a World War One movie. Um, he's, yeah, he's done like a lot of stuff. Like he's, he's a really, really good director. Um, Amor uh, was a big hit of his, I think. Yeah, well, he's, he's a, okay. he's a German like art film director yeah. for the most part. The but... Piano Teacher, I think, is one of his big ones too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's fairly pro- prolific. That's cool. Um, I I would definitely uh watch some of those others because I know they're going to be a very different vibe than this one. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, that's that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I think I think they're all still quite bleak, but you know, a different. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. From uh, the ones you're bringing up, sure. Uh, he he's got his niche. Um. Yeah, God, I, I got to stop watching all this bleak shit this month because, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been doing a good amount of bleak films. Um, yeah, we more horror comedies, maybe. Um, 
not necessarily yeah. dark comedies like this. It's, <clears throat> um, I, I think we should kind of jump into it here. Uh, yeah. this, this opening, um, you know, we start with the, the family, it's, uh, the mom and dad, Anna and Georg and, uh, their little boy, Georgie, who's probably like somewhere between, I don't know, seven and 10 years old. I don't know little kid ages. Um, I, I have an awful time with that. Um, but they're driving off towards their vacation property. It's like a lake house and they're towing a kind of cool old wooden sailboat. Um, uh, but they're playing this guessing game as they're driving along. And it's like a little taste of things to come, right? Because mm-hmm. they're they're playing little bit snippets of opera from random CDs that they don't let, let each other see before they pop into the car stereo. And if I were this kid at that age, I would be clawing my eyeballs out. <laughs> um, but when when we uh, when we uh, cut to um, the title card, it shifts over to this like kind of punk metal type thing with it's not death metal because that's a very different type of screaming but but yeah it's it's a bit of a shock and we just kind of linger on the characters faces as this music plays and you know we get a little bit of opening credits and so on and you know such a weird opening to a film yeah yeah Um, very strange um did did you do you think that like the opening shots, like the the like the helicopter shots of the car, do you think that's like an intentional nod to The Shining? It, I think it very well could be. Um, yeah, because that's definitely iconic from that film. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's again everything intentional, right? Yeah. Um, hmm. <laughs> it just makes me think even more about this film, which is great. That's why you're here. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they're nearing their destination and this lake house and they stop at the gate of their neighbor to say hello and, you know, ask for a hand because they want to launch the boat. And, you know, by all means, impose on your neighbor to do that instead of having your kid and your wife help. But whatever. Um, And they notice that uh, they're out there practicing on the lawn with, uh, you know, their golf clubs. They had planned an outing the next day uh, to go golfing. And they see a couple of young men that they don't recognize with them. And the conversation's super stiff and awkward. And they kind of think nothing of it. Georgie, you know, he notices that their little girl, Sissy, isn't there. He thinks that's weird, but they're like, yeah, she's probably at the house or down by the lake, whatever. Um, And yeah, they just continue on. Okay, cool. Uh, They... They pull into home and this fucking dog, (laughs) this dog that gets out of the car with them, Rolfie is fucking huge. Yeah. It's a big, like a German shepherd. Yeah. Something like that. And oh my God, this dog is massive. And okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm thinking to myself as this film is going along, you can kind of see where it's going. Um, like really the dog, didn't yeah no didn't even try okay guess not um <laughs> we'll get there <laughs> yeah um but uh fred the neighbor comes by with paul to help them launch the boat and well he introduces paul the one of the young men um 
and they say he's the son of a business associate and you notice right away they don't get their story straight as far as when paul got there you know they're they're talking about how oh yeah he came up friday no no it was yesterday or something like that oh yes yesterday and again very stiff and you notice right away that uh you know what's with the gloves paul um and oh paul is paul is dominating the conversation like when he the guy oh, goes yeah. to introduce him paul like steps says my name's paul like he doesn't mm-hmm. let anybody take control of the conversation yep and that'll also come back again later and the gloves um it's the more you think about it, it there's like all sorts of different ways you can read the gloves uh they could be you know just okay with what these kids are doing they're wearing gloves to you know Keep from leaving fingerprints but also um there's a moment a bit later where paul keeps telling his buddy peter or calling his buddy peter by tom and it doesn't come into you know focus why he's calling him tom until much later in the film when peter calls paul jerry and mm-hmm. it's like super clear it's like a nod to cartoon characters and their gloves at a certain point. Yeah. Um, and it's just unsettling too. They're like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, the, the, the look of the, the golf clothes with the gloves, mm-hmm. the super short shorts. It's got a, yeah, it's got a weird vibe to it. Very weird. Yes. Um, so uh, again, what's with the gloves, Paul, uh, <laughs> Georgie, uh, down when they're launching the boat, he's moaning about not seeing his friend, Fred's daughter. And, uh, you know, she said she was going to be there and, you know, the, the dad's like, Hey kid, you know, she's probably at a friend's or whatever. We'll ask them tomorrow, but come on, we got boat shit to do. Um, so at this point, I think we cut back up to the house and this is where we've got the mom Anna. uh she's on the phone with a friend she's feeding the dog working on dinner she's got all this fucking steak for some reason uh like three pounds of fillets sign me up that's that sounds great <laughs> um but uh she's working on cutting this stuff up and as i'm watching her work in the kitchen i'm like food safety is not in this lady's mind yeah, not that red meat is the most dangerous of raw food, but um, there's other stuff that happens in a few beats that it's like, yeah, you're not even washing your hands. You're like manhandling that fridge handle. There's all sorts of shit going on. This kitchen's gross, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I, I don't know why that stuck out to me so intensely, <laughs> but it did. <laughs> so I got to bring it up. Um but uh georgie steps in uh he asks for a knife for his dad uh i i guess they're cutting some rope i don't know what they're doing um i'm more of a power boater than a sailboater i don't know the shit but um yeah mom's like here you go make sure he brings it back um and he steps away comes back in a little minute um yeah, you know, looking a little nervous. Uh, well, it's because there's this young man at the door, uh, and this is Peter. Um, Peter needs eggs. Yes, he does. Okay. Um, just kind of moseys his way on in, uh, and 
well, they have some awkward conversation about how he got into the property. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a hole in the fence. Um, you know, Fred showed me. Your neighbor, Fred. You remember Fred? Fred. Because uh, uh, I, I think we glossed over the fact that, that they also have a great big gate to the front of the property at the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, everything's, like, extra secure looking here. Um, and she's like, oh, but your clothes didn't get wet. Yeah, because I didn't come through the water. No, I got through the hole in the gate. So, uh, but again, super awkward conversation. He doesn't even know what the eggs are for. He's just like, Hey, we just got to borrow some eggs and you know, you got a whole dozen there. So we're good. And you know, she finally just hands him these eggs that he goes to carry off and off camera, he drops them. Um, ostensibly fucking around with the door or something like that. Right. And, uh, again with the food safety, (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> she's bringing some towels she's just dropping shit into the dog's bowl uh as an easy method of getting stuff she's not really like cleaning it so much as just mashing the eggs into the grout of the tile um it's it's good times right um but uh yeah uh she cleans things up um and Peter talks about being clumsy and so on, and then uses that as an excuse to knock her cell phone into the sink. And she's like, okay, before you destroy the rest of my kitchen, is there anything else I can do for you? Right. Um, And he asks for another four eggs and they kind of get into this whole thing. Um, But she relents, gives him the eggs, bundles them up, kicks his ass out of the kitchen and she sparks up a cigarette and the dog's been barking for a minute. Um, and that's just kind of in the background. You know, you're not really paying attention to it quite so much, but all of a sudden you hear this, excuse me. Okay. And now there's two of them inside the house. You got Peter and Paul and the dogs kind of at the screen door and they're you know pretending to be afraid of the dog right they're trapped by this vicious dog who's actually just friendly she says and probably just wants to play um she shoes the dog away but now that they're both in here she can't get them out yeah that's uh one of the really uncomfortable things that uh that they go about with these characters is the way that they insist themselves upon the family they and like the the way this the way they escalate this scene as we go through it where it starts off just oh we're asking for eggs and then he drops the eggs and then he insists like he manipulates her into giving him something seemingly innocuous just more eggs but they're able to ramp up this into essentially an excuse to do violence on the family. It is very gross. And yeah. Yeah. And it's just like weaponizing being polite and, um, yeah. Um, Paul, uh, introduces himself and, you know, soon after, you know, she shoes the dog away. He totally changes the subject, um, in admiring their golf clubs. And well, he would love to be able to check them. Yeah. <laughs> and 
he you just got that nice uh, Callaway Big Bertha driver there. Got to mm-hmm, try mm-hmm. that thing out. Yeah, and he's like, "Don't worry, no, I'm just you know gonna you know drive towards the water. It's we're, we're good, right?" And you know, basically, without being told, it's okay. Just goes ahead and starts grabbing shit. Um, and he goes and steps outside, and you're left with uh, super comfortable, uncomfortable Anna and Peter still inside. Um, and the barking just continues, and uh, you got. Uh, Georg and uh, Georgie down at the boat, and Georg is uh, yelling at the dog. Georgie's even yelling at the dog. All of a sudden, you hear a uh, yelp and a couple of half-hearted barks, and all's quiet. The look on the kid's face. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, you. You, yeah. you can uh, you can infer what happened. Mm-hmm. Yep, and um, Dad doesn't exactly seem overly concerned, but the kid's got a good sense of, you know, bad shit happening throughout this movie. Yeah. Um, so they get up, go to walk back to the house and uh, you very intentionally see the knife left in the boat. Uh, it even gets knocked over, you know, down mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, off of the little ledge that it was on. Um, and okay. Again, Everything intentional. Uh, as they make their way back up to the house, we cut back in, and uh, you know, Anna's just trying to get these boys to leave, and they're refusing, but also requesting those remaining four eggs. Hey, you already said you're going to the store on Monday. It's cool, you know? You're not using them. You already said you're not going to cook them for any breakfast. So, okay. Uh, She's getting incredibly uncomfortable. She's asking them to leave. Finally, you get her husband stepping in, and you know he's like, "Okay, well, what's what's going on? What's what's so bad? Just you, know, you can give him the eggs." And, and she's like, "Fuck this! I'm out of here." It's like she you're not backing me up. Explain why she's so upset with these guys? Because when you uh-huh. when you put it into words, it's like it's silly. Well, yeah, yeah, it's silly. Yeah, but like. You having seen the entire thing, you understand why she's so upset. Oh, yeah, yes. She, she can't explain to her husband, like, yeah, get these guys out of here. Yep. And, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> is, uh, at a certain point, um, they start pushing back a little bit, and he's like, enough of this shit, get out. And then Paul kind of jokes about, you know, busting his balls there and Georg slaps him. He's just kind of laughing. And then be kind of behind them. Peter picks up that driver and he goes last of us part two on him. Um, yep. yep. Uh, slams it into his knee. Yep. That can't feel good. Uh, and then, <laughs> so Anna finally comes back in at this point. I, as much as I understand she's upset and she just wants them out and she's, you know, kind of probably a little embarrassed by the situation as well. Um, just hearing all the conversation and everything, I feel like I would have come right back in, but yeah, the, the commotion finally draws her back in and, uh, you get, uh, Georgie or uh, Georgie rather uh, trying to intervene with his little eight year old self and you know they're throwing him off and uh, 
and she comes back into the room finally and Paul's just like he slapped me and Peter's like yeah he started it <laughs> yeah it's very the the way that they phrase it of just like oh well you left us no choice why did you slap me there's we had to re- like yeah we yeah. escalated it but yeah you started it mm-hmm. yeah I, golf club still definitely not warranted but sure um he started it yes and things will <clears throat> certainly escalate from here um now this is where we start getting paul going back and forth calling peter peter and then sometimes tom um and not having seen this before i, I was kind of thinking to myself okay now i know it could just be a subtitle thing where it's a fuck up somewhere in there, but no, you actually hear him say Tom. It's very clear. He's calling him Tom and I'm glad they finally went somewhere with that because that was confusing the hell out of me. You know, I was first thinking, okay, so Paul and Peter are quite likely aliases anyways, but you know, it could just be them slipping into another one uh, from some other thing that they did before or whatever. No, no, it, it has definitely a cartoony focus. And there's another one of those that'll come up later. Um, <clears throat> um, so yeah, uh, they get the injured Georg into a chair and they kind of taunt him about checking the injury, but no, oh, take your pants off, take your pants off. Yeah. Paul studies medicine. It's he can he can, you know, take a look and see if he can uh, help you out here. Um, but at a certain point, it's like, OK, we can do three things here. We can check the injury. We can call an ambulance or we can call the police. And this is the point where Anna reveals, well, Peter knocked the cell phone into the sink. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we got it in a bag of rice right now. Um, no, it's just your purse. But uh but they're, yeah. they're, they always, they're always presenting themselves as this like, oh, well, yeah, well, yeah, you can call the cops if you want to. Yeah, we don't care. Mm-hmm. Do, do, like knowing that they can't call the cops. It's yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> they, they even I feel like they even offer to leave at certain points. It's it's. Just... Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. Cell phone went in the sink. Uh, Paul suggests, uh, well, how about we play a guessing game? And this is the first, you know, real little game that they present. Uh, and it's like, what's this? Holds up the golf ball. And <laughs> okay, Yarg's like, that's a golf ball, dude. You're right. It's a golf ball. And what was I doing outside? Well, if I didn't hit this golf ball, so yes, they Anna finally infers that okay, you did something to the dog, and they go outside for a round of hot and cold. Yep. <laughs> Which is a game that always just irritates the shit out of me. Anyways, <laughs> it's it's not fun. It's but especially when you're looking for your dead dog, it's really not fun. Yeah. Um, and this is where we get that first wink at the camera. I don't think there was anything else before this scene that really broke the fourth wall or introduced the audience as a real participant. 
Um, I believe, I think Paul looks at the camera once, but just okay. briefly. But so yeah, it's one of those is, blink and you miss it type things. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. But this is uh, this is one of the first real bits of genius that this movie does. Uh, one, the way the shot's composed is really, really great because it's oh, yeah. the shot of the car, and then Paul walks into frame, turns around, winks at the camera, and um, the wink is very, very purposeful into like what this movie's like actually about, because. You know, it's very easy. I think the the first time I watched it, I didn't really think about it too much about like, um, you know, movies break the fourth wall sometimes, right? Yeah. Just just for fun sometimes. Uh, This one, the fourth wall breaks in it are very intentional to the theme of the movie because what it's asking you to do is consider your role as the audience in the actions of the movie. And so... As they're going and searching for the dead dog, Paul turns to you and winks because this is fun. We're having fun. This is what you came. You came to watch mm-hmm. a movie. You came to be entertained by this. Yep. Look, Damien, it's all for you. Yeah. yeah. And I think when he turns his head back to Anna, this is where she he finally tells her hot and she opens up the door and the dog just slumps out. Yep. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, so, uh, we're back with Peter and he's just minding Yorg and Georgie, uh, and he asks for something to eat while they wait. Kid gets up to oblige, tells him, Hey, don't think of grabbing a knife or something. It's okay. Uh, and then back outside, we have, uh, friends of Anna's and Yorg's that are uh, pulling up to the dock on their boat and you get that moment of control that you talked about again, Mm -hmm. where Paul's going to dominate. And instead of him just being like, okay, you know, we got to play it cool here, right? No, he's just like, I know you're thinking what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. In other words, I am thinking that you are thinking that you're going to get some help now, but I also know that you know that I know and that we're going to play it cool because otherwise everyone's going to die. Um, And yeah, she manages to pull her shit together and they play it relatively cool. Uh, He introduces himself to their friends and uh, again, like you said, just kind of putting himself out there right away. It just yep. uh, controlling things so he's able to introduce who he is and she doesn't have an opportunity to fuck it up. And he also, uh, at the end of the conversation, asks the other uh, group of people, oh, where are you guys staying? Where's your guys' house at? Yeah. 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 That's uh, very noticeable as well. Um, this is where somebody finally brings up the glove and he's like, oh, I just have eczema. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And she's like, well, the waters are very healing around here. You take a dip. And he's like, oh, thanks for the tip. Um, yeah, I, I'm glad that they only pulled up to just talk briefly about future plans. And they didn't try to come up to the house or anything. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's definitely a direction this film could have gone in um, without you know too many problems or anything. But I like that it's more just... A little bit more contained. Um, yeah. 
but uh yes uh back at the house uh and anna and georgie are trying to move dad to the couch and she tries to get the boys to um believe that they have company coming but peter's like no i heard the end of your conversation they were going to call back if they were thinking of coming along and well phone's dead so they're never going to call so there you go yeah. um uh, another thing i'd like to point out here is like the the moving of Jorg to the couch is just such a grueling process mm-hmm. and when you think the only thing that's happened is a guy's been hit with a golf club. Yeah. Which as far as like movie violence goes, it's very, very little of a thing to have happened, especially like, you know, in a movie, like a horror movie or an action movie, you would expect like, you know, the hero can get shot and get through the rest of the movie just fine. Uh, you know, uh, John McClane can run across broken glass at the beginning right. of the movie and make it through the entire thing with no problems this a guy has been hit in the in the knee with a golf club and it's going to be a problem for the entire movie yeah yeah there's like a torn meniscus or something like that it's not good it's not good um (laughs) but yeah you're right um these are not heroes these are everyday people and they're making Mm -hmm. it very clear um and again, the whole audience participation thing, it's its very much telling you, oh, hey, you wanted this, right? Well, yeah. now, now you're going to see what happens. Yeah. Um, so um, Anna goes off to uh, the kitchen at this point. Um, and I, I love Peter. He's always the buffer stopping Georgie from going along or you know, keeping people from being able to gang up in any way. Um, but uh, this is where they, they've already been having this conversation about them uh, being extra informal with them all of a sudden. You know, how uh, Georg is calling them boys. Uh, and it's like, hey, that's great. We're getting to know each other. And so Paul decides to formally introduce Peter to Georg. And it's at this point where Anna comes back in with some water and some pain meds for her husband. And this is where Paul and Peter lose their shit on him uh, or on them rather uh, for being so impolite, you know, just brushing off Peter because they throw her onto the couch and that fucks up his leg. And then Peter's stomping on Peter's leg. Yeah. Um, There's, there's a good amount of pain here. Uh, And I think this is where Anna finally has a meltdown, you know, like you do in these situations. And uh, Paul threatens Georgie with violence towards his mother if he doesn't behave. And he's like smacking this kid on the floor. That kid's head is bouncing off the floor while this is happening, too. So, um, yeah, I think the meltdown's pretty warranted. Um, and here's where we get more games in the way that Paul and Peter are spinning a little tale as to why Peter does this and why they're here. And we get some real crocodile tears as we get the story about, you know, drug addicted family and uh, bad divorce and all this horrible stuff. And it basically devolves into laughter because none of it's true. Yeah. And 
then then he reveals another fake story that's not yeah true. yeah it's just you know yeah. yeah yeah it's it's um it's very uh joker in the dark knight right you have no idea how he ever got his scars but every story is very interesting but ultimately and, and the way that he presents it in this one is like well which one's going to be the most interesting for you? like narratively which one's better for you is it that we're you know we're super are we patrick bateman are we super rich people who are just nihilists and yeah we're we just people? bored or, yeah like what what makes it seem better for you what's a better narrative mm-hmm. um and this is the point where georg just he's not having it and he's like okay okay i get it paul's like Oh, hey, he gets it. He gets hey, Tubby. It. This is where he starts calling Peter Tubby for the rest of the film. It's like, come on. He's got a couple extra pounds on him, but he's not that. Uh, but yeah, um, the whole he gets it. Oh, check it out. He gets it. Bit. Um, and this is where it's like, OK, time to get down to brass tacks. Let's present the bet. Yep. You know, either you're going to die before 9 a.m., or we're going to be alive at which point we're probably going to have to kill you anyways, because you're going to just tell the cops, but let's just make that bet. And it's like, huh? As far as the family is concerned, they're just, they're just having their good time. Uh, Paul and Peter, but uh, yeah. Well, and, and then, then um, the family, they, they reject it. Like they don't want to participate. Yeah, they don't want to play. No, there has to be a bet. And then he turns to the audience and mm-hmm. he, make the, he makes the bet with the audience. Well, you're yeah. on their side, right? You, so you think they're going to make it? What do you think? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, <clears throat> and let's see here. Yes, he asks us that. And then we get the Tom and Jerry bit. That's yep. where um, where Peter finally calls Paul Jerry. And it's like, OK, this makes more sense. They are very much cartoon characters in every sense at this point. Um, it's also, it's a reference to like the overall theme of the movie because it's about, you know, violence in media and how that affects mm-hmm. people and stuff. And like, Oh, well, what's the cartoon that you showed to little kids? Oh, Tom and Jerry, that's super violent cartoon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. The, the whole point of itchy and scratchy, right? Yep. Um, so yeah. Um, Tom and Jerry get it. Check. Uh, so they unsettle Anna with some comments about, you know, Peter and then whether he would find her attractive and okay, well, let's play kitten in a bag with Georgie. And uh, they throw this pillowcase over this kid's head and the kid has an absolute freak out moment, which I I mean, can you blame him? Uh, and they use this as an opportunity to force Anna to strip for Peter. Uh, which, you know, they, thankfully they were tasteful enough not to have to show this to the audience. It's, it's done so well where all you get is it's just close ups on people's faces while it goes mm-hmm. down and everybody, all the, you know, the, the characters that you're rooting for are crying. They're super uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They're Georgie keeps terrified. screaming from time to time is, yeah. you know, he, he doesn't want this to happen to his mother and <sighs> And even yeah. even when they show Peter and Paul, they're not like. It's almost like they're barely there, like they're just mm-hmm. like they're not like lusting after her or whatever. It's no. more about that. They're just they're putting her through that. That's what it's yeah. about. 
and they're just um, enjoying their control. I think I think this is also like a point in the movie where they want to like sort of offer a question to the audience of like. You know, a lot of times in horror movies, when there's like an assault scene or something like that, the director will still make sure you get to see the victim naked, mm-hmm. get to see boobs. That's a big in a horror movie. Got to have oh, that. Yeah. And so this is asking, this is sort of asking the question to the audience, like, why do you want to watch that? Yeah. Why do why do you want to watch that? Hmm? Are you upset that you didn't get to see her naked right now? What does that say about you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This uh, this film is definitely a nice little mirror for audiences. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so Paul compliments her how she's got not an ounce of fat on her and uh, basically tells her to get dressed. And at this point, Georgie, well, he pisses himself um, because he's so scared about the situation. And his folks kind of leap to his defense as uh, they were the boys were about to cart him off to go deal with this. Well, they were not about to have them take their son away without them. Um, and in the kerfuffle, Georgie man's manages to run upstairs and, uh, climb out his uh, bedroom window and escape. Right. Uh, at this point, um, Paul, he's uh, wrapping Anna's legs with packing tape because, you know, enough of this nonsense. Uh, And I think Yorg is on the floor at this point. They knocked him out. Um, Yeah. There's that comment about splashing water on his face, but don't fuck up the rug. Um, Yeah. Uh, So Georgie tries to scale the gate, but he can't quite make it because he's a friggin' eight-year-old. And it's probably good that he didn't. Otherwise, he'd end up like uh, what's his butt in the uh, 2018 Halloween. Um, Yeah. Uh, So he goes to take the the water route around to the neighbors. And, you know, we've got the couple of planes of action of uh, Paul going to check on Georgie. And uh, he makes this comment about entertainment value of all of this. I don't remember the exact line. But but again, it's that, you know, are you enjoying yourselves? Are, are you liking this? It's no, no, we're, no I'm, I'm, I'm unsettled. I'm, I'm really not. It's, I'm like, very uncomfortable. Is, this this is this scene is where um, some of the majority of the violence happens, right? Like they beat the shit out of George again. They beat the shit out of Anna. And it almost all happens off screen. Like you, you hear them like beating up the parents while George is running yep. up the stairs and climbing out the window and stuff. But you you actually really never see a lot of violence. In yeah. There's a lot of off screen stuff in this movie. Just the yeah. dropping of the, the eggs, the sneaking big one of Paul coming and, soon yeah. that we're yeah. going to really talk about. Yep. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, Georgie, he makes it to the neighbor's yard and just as he comes up to the house, the motion lights turn on and it spooks him a little bit because, you know, he's, obviously terrified about the situation and well, he it's happens... also it's going to give away where he's running to yep i uh, he turns behind and uh, he sees paul coming up from the water as well so he runs up to the house um at this point uh peter goes to check on the eggs uh <laughs> for some reason and the couple they uh they try to break free but of course he comes back right away, uh, you know, to fuck with them a little bit more. Um, 
and Georgie has hidden himself inside the neighbor's house. But as the lights flip on, he realizes, crap, I got wet pants and wet shoes and I'm leaving footprints everywhere. So he takes off his shoes and his pants and, you know, he hears Paul in the house and he decides to go hide in a different room or whatever because, you know, he's got his trail leading right to him. Um, and Paul stalks him. Um, it's at this point where Georgie looks over and he sees a gun in a doorway and as he approaches it, sees the legs of Sissy in a bathroom. And again, off screen, and we don't see the full body and all of that. Um, again, tasteful. And also, like you said, hey, do, do you want to see the body? Yeah. Yeah. Do, Should we go take a look? Yeah. <sighs> this movie. Yeah. Um, Dead kids. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this isn't the only one, right? Um, so uh, Georgie picks up the gun. And he goes and runs and hides in a closet and, you know, he's, he's watching the shadow of Paul move around the room from under the door. I love that kind of shit. Um, and Paul very clearly knows that he's in the room and it's like, Hey, let's put on a little music. And it's the, the, the weird metal from the yeah, beginning of the, the film song. because of course it is. Um, and I think that Georgie thinks that he's left the room or something because he comes out of the, uh, the closet there and back into this hallway. And that's where Paul steps back into the hallway because clearly he was just, you know, waiting for him to come back out and they go through the little, okay, well you got to cock the gun. All right. So go ahead and do that. And he does very timidly and he just keeps walking up to him and he's like, you also have to pull the trigger. And of course it's not loaded. Or at least the shells that were in it were spent. But, uh, or, yep. or, um, you know, maybe something else too. We don't know. You never find out. Yeah. Yeah. There's, a, um, there's some weird stuff happens later in this movie. Who knows oh, what happened? Th this is also true. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get there, but, um, but you're right. This this could just be some uh, lovely uh, magical storytelling here at this point, right? Um, so uh, we are back at the house where Peter is channel surfing. Yep, he's watching some hurricane coverage. That feels super topical. Yep. Um, and this is where Paul and Georgie return. Uh, he just crumples into his mother because he's seen Sissy's body and he's a wreck. Um, and this is where we get our other cartoon character moment because, Oh, Hey, look, I brought the gun and, um, and got a couple of shells here, one for Beavis and one for butthead. And then we get the iconic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and <laughs> at this point, Paul decides just to go for a snack after he leaves Peter in charge of the well, gun, he, playing well, the he, little he tells game. Him to, of, yeah, he gives them a new game to play, which is they're yeah. going to kill one of them. They uh, they pick Anna's age, which they, they think is about 35 or 37. Mm -hmm. And to count, one, two, three, four. And, mm -hmm. you know, eliminate them, and then whoever's left gets killed. Yeah. Super fun for everyone. Yeah. Um, 
And again, with everything happening off screen, because Paul goes into the kitchen, he grabs a bunch of shit from the fridge. He hears kerfuffle, but he just kind of continues making a sandwich up until the point where we cut back to the TV with the uh, the racing that was still on there. And there's blood all well, over it. We, we the hear the behind. we hear a gunshot while he's still right. in the kitchen. And then, yep. and yeah, he's still going about his business. Making yeah, he's got that nice Kerrygold butter. Uh, you, you hear, know, some tasty you hear stuff there. people crying, mm-hmm. you know, sobbing. And then he just, yeah, he walks back in. And well, actually, he walks off I think off there's even camera. a few glances, yeah, uh, he walks, during he all He walks this. off camera. We stay in the kitchen. We hear the conversation of like, oh, why'd you, why'd you kill the kid? You're not supposed to kill the kid. Mm-hmm. There's no tension if you kill the kid. Right. Right. Once again, talking to the audience as well as each other. Um, <sighs> okay. So this scene, right? There's just so much to talk about with this scene. This is where the movie really, really gets going with the things that it's doing. One, like we said, all the violence is off screen. Uh, you, you don't ever even get like, you see the kid dead on the ground, but you never see like you don't see his head blown off or anything like that. You just see the legs. There. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a little bit behind the, uh, the TV stand. Um, yeah. you just, and also you see Georg's legs sticking out from under or behind the couch. So you, you're not a hundred what happened to him because he's not moving, but you've got Anna just sitting there weeping. Rosen for just, like, yeah, just what feels like hours. Oh, this is such a long take. It yeah, it does not stop. It's... Yeah, but like the the conversation that they have of like, oh well, now we can't do anything with him. You ruined the tension of the movie. You're not supposed to kill the kid first. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. and this this is going to come back quite a few times as we go here. This is where you get really into the deep postmodern stuff, where this movie begins to break rules you didn't know you had agreed to. Uh, the tension of a movie like this is, well, how are they going to protect the kid? Uh, the kid's got to get away, right? The parents sacrifice themselves and the kid's kid gets away. But no, they kill the kid first. Also, yep. uh, it's, you know, if you really think about it, you're like, where they're, he's upset that they kill the kid first. But when you think about it, when we go back, they kill the kid first with the last house that they were at, too. Also true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then just like a lot of the time in horror movie, you show up for the kills, right? Mm-hmm. Like you go see a Friday the 13th, you go see uh Nightmare on Elm Street, you're there for the kills, you want to see what inventive ways they're going to kill people as that's part of the fun of a horror movie. Um, this movie, when a character has finally died the entire movie just stops to make you feel what the death of a person feels like. Yeah. These two parents just lost their kid. And for the next like five to six minutes, it's just frozen on them sobbing. Mm-hmm. She finally gets up and she goes over and just kind of looks at her son and just turns around and uses the edge of the uh, the TV stand to try to cut through the tape uh, with her. Well, no, she uh, she turns off the TV. Oh no, the that's yeah, time, that's right. Yep. 
the entire time that the, the this um this race has been going on this car mm-hmm. race that they're watching and like so the movie has no um non-diegetic sound there's no score or anything apart from at the beginning and at the end so like mm-hmm. this um this like car race this like grinding like really loud noise sort of is like providing the soundtrack for the scene and yeah it's it's just this really loud really annoying grating and eventually she just gets up and turns it off it's this scene is just like a major just gut punch it's man yep um yep she gets back up walks on over checks on georg and you know he starts moving a little bit so okay he's alive she goes out to um the kitchen to look for a knife to free them and he starts breaking down he loses it he loses his shit um and rightly so right but oh my god when you talk about the scene being a gut punch just hearing his cries and his wails and her trying to comfort him when obviously she's going through the same thing, but you know, she's, she's being mom to him in a way. Right. Um, uh, again, very long scene, very yeah, uncomfortable of, part of, cause like, uh, when I put this movie on Twitter, which get, you know, uh, kind of got this episode going was, I said, I think this is like the scary, one of the scariest movies ever made. One of the most horrifying movies ever. And I think there are a lot of people who, if they watched it, would be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you barely see anything. There's no jump scares. There's nothing like that. There's none of this stuff. This is the stuff that makes this movie so scary. Is yeah. that it's 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 very real life. It's... You don't see you don't see the violence, but you feel it so much more than any other movie because there's this amount of empathy to the characters. You really don't want to see bad stuff happen to them because it feels like something bad happening to somebody that you know. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like this is, like, it feels like, you, like you're you literally watching somebody's kids die. Yeah. And in many ways, you know, like we talked about earlier, it feels like you are the participant. You are what is driving this. You're making this happen by being mm-hmm. the audience. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Um. I, I can imagine feeling pretty bad about that. Cause I did. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, she, um, they kind of hatch a plan for Anna to go get help at the inn down the road or whatever. And because his injuries are just way too much, uh, for them to try to go together because it, continuing this super long take is her getting him up. Mm-hmm. And trying to help him to the kitchen. And it goes on yeah. for, I mean, you said this whole take is probably five, six minutes. No, it's probably closer to 10 it, yeah, when you, you include you all continue, of this. Yeah, it goes on. And like, yeah, like we said earlier, there's no, there's no dignity to like the, the violence in this. Movie. Like he is just, he can't move. His knees. Yeah. His swollen, arms fucked up too. Bleeding. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that's yeah. that's what violence looks like in real life. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, like you talk about action heroes, they take you know 
several bullets over the course of the film and they keep on trucking. But then, you know, you turn around and you get um, in the late 90s, a super fun taste of realism with uh, like Rainbow Six, for example. How basically one hit, somebody's down. You take one hit, you are down. And you're not there for the rest of the game. Yep. That character is done. If you get hit in the knee with a golf club, if you don't get that wound treated, it's going to be a real problem for you. Mm-hmm. I love how he says he's going to hide in the wine cellar. And she's like, how are you going to get down there? And he's like, I'm going to figure it out. I just need you to go. He's, and... He is just trying to get her out of the house. Mm-hmm. He's just like, please get out of here. Yeah. Get some clothes on, get some shoes, because you're probably going to have to run at some point. And she throws on, she goes to run upstairs and he reminds her, oh, we never took the bags upstairs. We never even got that far. And so she goes to open up one of their bags and grabs a pair of jeans and the oddest sweater choice. Um, Yeah, just like a sweater vest. Yeah, it's it's weird being that that's all she has on. (laughs) But Germany, man, I don't know. I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, then she goes for some, I, I can't remember. Um, I think they just thought that they left, but also why are we trying to go out the kitchen window when the door is right? Next um, to they've got like the doors jammed up or whatever. They can't get out the doors. Oh, okay. And then they assume I, like, I oh, missed well, they, that. Yeah. Uh, okay. like, they probably locked the gate too. So you're going to have to go around. You're going to have to cut. Yeah. Your way get out. some pliers and you're going to have to cut through the fence and. Um, okay. Uh, so when she goes to her bag, uh, before she climbs through the window, she thinks about the cell phone. She grabs it. She, it turns on. Okay. Well, I guess it dried out. So, Hey, I I guess we're going to try this first. Uh, well, who do we call? Well, you're going to call the police, but what, what's the number? Okay. Um, yeah, this was a bit that was confusing to me. Like, is there not like an emergency line? Yeah, there's. In- Most other countries have some version of 911. It's or just dialing for the operator. And I also understand that your kid just got blown away in front of you. Yeah. You've been through a yeah. horribly tra- traumatic experience, and you're probably not exactly thinking straight either at this point. Um, you've been through a lot. Yeah. Uh, He's like, no, just speed dial number four. It's my friend Peter. Well, you, that, that's one thing. It's a cell phone. So maybe you can't, they can't dial out to an operator on a 90s cell phone. I don't. I, I seem to remember being able to, but. I don't know. Shit. Germany. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> they try calling Peter and it doesn't go through for some reason. And they're like, well, maybe it's still wet. Hey, let's get a hairdryer. This goes on forever. Yeah. Um, and, and again, just making this feel like real life and they are going through some shit and we as the audience are making them go through some shit and all right, you want to see them try to escape and all this? This is how they're going to do it. You're going to watch that happen. Um, yeah, this, this, is, this is not movie world. They're not going to you know, set up a bunch of traps for when they come back and fight back or anything. No, uh, he's going to sit in a chair with a blow dryer and try to dry off his cell phone. That's the best he can do. 
Yep. Yep. He's going to snack on some of the shit that uh, Paul left out too <laughs> while he's at it. But yeah, she drags his chair in there so he can sit and work on the phone while she runs and tries to find help, uh, you know, outside. Um, so let's see at this point, she just stops by, I think it's, uh, their next door neighbors, Fred, um, you know, the people from earlier in the film and like screams at the house, uh, through the gate, but nothing. Cause obviously they're all dead inside. Um, and we cut back to Georg. He's, uh, working with the blow dryer, nibbling on some shit. And he puts it together, gives it a try again, is able to get a hold of Peter, but they can't really understand each other. And yeah. he keeps telling them to call the police and, you know, whatever. But then uh, the, the call drops or whatever. And then he tries one more time and then the battery runs out. Um, and then we get back to Anna running along the road and trying to get up to the next house. And then she sees a car coming and she's freaked out. So she hides. She hides a little too long because she's not able to flag down this vehicle. Um, and yeah, I think her. I think her. Like what she's trying to do is trying to see if it's the the boys in the car before she asks right. for help. But uh, that being said, she's a little slow at that, and she's not able to get this uh, car flagged down. And then um, another car is approaching. Well, they cut away from that, and we all know what that means. Yep. Uh, we're back with Georg. He's taking a blanket and covering his son's body. And he turns around when this golf ball rolls into the doorway, into the doorway from the hallway. And he's staring at this thing like, no, no. And Paul steps into frame. And then Peter and a tied up Anna. She is looking rough at this point. Um, yep. <laughs> So they get them back on the couch and we get the commentary about, uh, you know, giving something to the audience and yeah. uh, it's, it's not dramatic if they don't have a chance to escape. Right. Right. Um, and uh, the turn to the camera, you know, when they're talking, well, is it Anna or is it York that tells them, Hey, this is enough. This is enough. And Paul's like, is it is that enough? Looks yeah. at the camera. He's, he's is like, that we're, enough? We're not even at feature length yet. Yeah. Yeah. We 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 got to give the people what they want here. So now it's time for a new game where Anna gets to choose who's next and if it's the gun or this other little tool that York brought for them. Oh, look, we have a knife. And obviously it's a choice that she does not want to make, uh, but they kind of force her into things. There's uh, you know what? How about if you, if you say a prayer and if you say it just so perfectly, then we're not just going to end this now. And we're going to give you that choice again. We're going to take that choice away from you. We're going to give you the opportunity to earn that choice. She's like, I don't know any prayers. And it's like, you don't know any prayers. He doesn't know any prayers. Yeah. Well, Peter, you know any prayers? He's like, no. <laughs> like, shit, nobody knows any prayers. He, he knows this one little snippet of a prayer, um, which, you know, they repeat to her. And she tries to say it. And she's like, no, you don't pray like that. Come on. Come on. You, you got to earn this. 
yeah, get on your knees like you're talking to God. And <sighs> it's, yeah, it's very unsettling. Yeah, it, it's, that's the point. It's, but it's so they're so miserable scenes. It's just it's hard to watch. Yeah. Well, she makes it through and she's able to grab for the gun at a certain point and she pauses for a beat and blows Peter the fuck away. And you get blood splatter all over Paul. He can't believe what's happened. And, you know, he, he wrestles the gun away from her at this point and immediately he starts asking where the remote and it's like, oh, it's going this way. Okay. And as soon as he finds it, things start rewinding. Yeah. And back a lot more than you think they necessarily would, because you hear a lot of the conversation about prayer again. Um, but this, this time... This is the uh, scene that when I watched it for the first time, it, it blew my fucking mind. Like It's the wildest shit I had ever seen in a movie at that point. Like, yep, and it it makes it to where you, as the audience, know there's nothing to be done here. Mm-hmm. They can't lose. They mm-hmm. these people are going to die. There, there is. It's over. They, these these are not people that are in this world. Nope, they are cartoon characters who are in complete control of everything. Um, so this time when she grabs for the gun, he's ready for her and he's just able to wrestle it away. Mm -hmm. Um, and well, it's time to start counting again. And, uh, well, no, he tells, uh, what is he? He said, you broke the rules, right? Yes. You broke the rules. You were going to kill George. Yep. Yep. And, uh, they do. Um, but I'm pretty sure that happens off screen again. Um, yep. I don't even know that we hear the gunshot. Um, it doesn't matter if we do really. Um, because now they're all in their rain gear and they're going down to the boat. Morning has definitely broken. Um, and they're climbing aboard and we get this, um, we get this, fun little conversation about um matter and antimatter and they're discussing a science fiction story one of them had read uh-huh are seen on tv and yeah it's about how like they um the scientist makes two worlds and one of the worlds is reality and one of the worlds is fiction and he gets stuck in the world that's fiction makes sense very, very yeah. suitable for this film, too. Um, and we had that glimmer of hope, right? Early on mm-hmm. in the film with the knife that was left in the boat. And in clear view of Paul and Peter, here's Anna trying to saw away at the ropes around her wrists. And they're like, oh, check that out. And Peter just gets up, picks it up, flips it overboard. It's like it's, again, eh. the movie. The movie is breaking the rules of what a movie does. Mm-hmm. Plan payoff. This movie goes. Oh, we planted it. And you sat there and you watched the entire thing. We're gonna take that away from you too. Yeah, 
yes, we are. And now you're going to come sit with us. And hey, what time is it? Oh, it's a little after eight. It's like, oh, well, bye. Yep. Knock her overboard. It's yep. like, but it wasn't nine yet. What does it matter? <laughs> yeah. It's so unceremonious. They just toss her off. Mm-hmm. Yep. And obviously all tied up like that. She's probably going to drown. Uh, and they continue their conversation about the science fiction story. And they pull up to uh, the dock and they tie off. And this time Paul gets to walk up. And uh, Well, let, let's pause for a second because the, the oh. conclusion of the science fiction story, the ah, conclusion yes. Paul reaches of that, it doesn't matter the difference between reality and fiction. It's all the same. They're both, to an extent, real. Um, which is sort of what the argument that the filmmakers making is, does it really matter that the fake violence is violence? Isn't it still somewhat real? Yeah, it's, is it? We'll, we'll, once we get through the plot, we'll talk more about this idea. (laughs) Going back to his, um, little comment about Spielberg. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that all makes tons of sense. So yeah, Paul walks up the lawn and he he calls out, is anybody awake? And uh, the lady comes to the door and he reintroduces himself as, uh, you know, hey, I'm Paul from yesterday. And um, Anna and Georg, they, they ran out of eggs and was wondering if we could borrow some. Uh, and then we get freeze frame and metal. Paul staring directly at the camera. Well, the song from the beginning plays plays almost in its entirety with no credits or anything, just the freeze frame. (laughs) Then eventually fades to black and then we get credits. Yeah. Well, no, it it fades to white. Well, it it darkens and then shifts over to that white. (laughs) But but yeah, it's uh, black credits on a white background. Yeah. 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 Funny games. This um. <laughs> movie, man. This this movie. Oh my god. What a Yeah, it's I it's arguably I think one of the the most horrifying movies ever made because it's a movie that is like it's begging you to turn it off at every every turn. Mm-hmm. It's it's sitting there and it's like why are you still watching this? Because you have to make it to the end like what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's reminding you at so many points that there is something wrong with you in pushing this forward. Yeah. What you and doing? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, a, it's interesting because the director is very clearly, I think, like I said at the beginning of the movie, he's, um, he's a zealot about this. He's a, he's an extremist in his views of, what violent media does to people, right? And he he made this movie in 1997. This was a response to things like, you know, Quentin Tarantino, um, though you know, that that really stylistic violence in the 90s. This is a direct mm-hmm. response to that kind of thing. And it's weirdly like prescient because this was before we had even gotten to like the 
in the horror genre things like eli roth or you know the torture porn stuff yeah because i mean when when i first saw this movie you know i saw it in 2007 when the the american remake came out and at that point it felt like a response to those type of movies i didn't even realize he had you know 10 years before this before any of that stuff was already talking about like what's why are we so obsessed with doing this these violent violent movies like doesn't that have some kind of effect on us and like the interesting thing is, is I don't know if he's right. He's got a point to make. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. correct about it. But what I really like about this movie, and I, to say I like this movie is strong. I don't, I don't enjoy the movie, but I enjoy the, the that it give, gives me ideas, you know, um, which is that like, People like to talk about how, like, oh, well, extremism is extremism in any form is bad. We don't like extremism. But this is a guy who's an extremist in this idea, and he makes a movie where it's very clear every step of the way that he's thinking about what he's doing. And when you compare that to a lot of people, the Eli Ross of the world, who the thoughts never occurred to them, that interview at the beginning that we talked about. Mm-hmm. John Krasinski and Judd Apatow have never thought about that in their entire lives. Um, And as filmmakers, maybe they should be thinking more about the stuff they're putting on screen and what effect that has on people. You know, even if this guy's not right, it's good that somebody is saying something about it. Yeah. At the very least he presents an amazingly compelling argument it's yeah this is a lot to take in yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's just just so much. brutal beyond belief and, and and again it's not even brutality that you necessarily see so much is implied or at least you know you infer this brutality from what comes later in the film but yeah yeah, like you could compare this movie to something like um like a Park Chan-wook film, like uh you seen okay. I Saw the Devil? I know of it, but I have not seen it. I Saw the Devil has a very like similar sort of idea. And like a lot of Park Chan-wook movies do, where you're you're sort of watching a character go get their revenge or whatever. And at the end of the mm-hmm. movie, it's like, "Oh, I feel really bad now. I thought I would feel really good when they got their revenge, but I don't." And I the I I really like Park Chan Wook. Like old boy, yeah. old boy's fantastic. Everybody loves old boy. Um, and, and it does. Uh, it does. Thirst was one of his as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I've yeah. seen that one, but um, uh, the difference between this and something like Old Boy is old. Old Boy's still a movie. Yeah, you're still supposed to enjoy most of Old Boy. The the hallway fight scene everybody it's so amazing it's it's mm-hmm. fun um there's you know even i saw the devil which is another pretty miserable slog of a movie there's still really cool stuff in that movie that's fun to fun to watch like he is still giving you a compelling plot and narrative the thing that this movie did that was so genius was he knew that if he just told you a regular story you would miss the point and so he intentionally subverts the narrative any chance that he gets so that you're just it's there's nothing fun about this movie. There's nothing enjoyable about the movie. Yeah. Um, like you said, it was an essay in film form. Um, yeah. 
but it definitely makes a person think about what they actually get out of horror films. Uh, like, you know, absolutely. All the slasher films from the eighties is all about the kills. It's all anybody cared about. What are they going to do to one up the film that came before with these horrible graphic depictions of people being torn from limb to limb. Right. Um, it's what we're here for. And, you know, if there's, you know, some loud music and some tits along the way, then so much the better, right? Well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. It's, it's really hard to say. Um, Cause like, like I said, I don't think I, I don't think I agree a hundred percent with the premise of this film. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely get where they're coming from. I, 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 I understand that the concerns about the influence of, you know, these types of films and so on and so forth. But, uh, but yeah, going back to Spielberg and the shower scene and how, you know, how irresponsible he found that. Um. I still think that Spielberg put a very compelling film together that had a, a whole hell of a lot to say. And you know, also, it, like, I mean, because he he brings up that he Spielberg makes that into entertainment when he does that. Yeah, but and like he does. There's there's tension. There's suspense. There you do sure. those things, but it also puts you in the shoes of that person in that time. Mm-hmm. And for that is hopefully in your lifetime the closest you will ever come to having that feeling. Absolutely. And I also think it's possible to, you know, have those feelings and, you know, have some thoughts about that situation and still be entertained. Yeah. It's, I, I I don't know that there's necessarily something wrong with that. Um, Yeah. I, I think the best thing that you can take away from this movie is that you should not, you shouldn't view these things so callously. And you shouldn't view them without thinking. And I do think that in a lot of our um, our media right now, it's a lot of stuff where people are doing things without thinking. It's entertainment without the thought of what the actual consequences are. Um, there's a lot of that with, um, you know, like MCU movies are like vaguely sort of fascist and vaguely sort of yeah. um, really pro-American military and stuff like that. And like, yeah, those movies are really fun. I really enjoy those movies. But but maybe we should take a step back and say, hey, you know what? The Avengers are sort of fascist. We should be talking about that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I do. Th- I do think that this the, the the big takeaway of this movie is reflect on the things that you view and don't just consume mindlessly. And th- this is a <laughs> a real wake up call with a baseball bat you know or a golf club yeah yeah <laughs> fuck me yeah <laughs> uh god um <laughs> and just other than all the the commentary that comes throughout the film that the, the questions that it asks the conversation that it spurs. I mean, you got to talk about the performances too. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Suzanne Lothar who plays Anna is just, she's going through some shit. The, the scene where she, um, 
she like begs with Peter to just like leave them alone. Like she fully breaks down crying. It's just, it's so, so like, she's just. Well, and she goes back and forth from begging for, you know, them to just go away to also begging for them to just go ahead and kill them and get it over with. Yeah. She, she, it's such, mm, she, she a hundred percent nailed the role. Every single thing that the movie requires um i i honestly i think that if like there's a different actress in there and like um naomi watts in the in the u.s version does a really good job as well i think for the most part the actors in this movie blow that movie out i think the performances in this much better because like you really really feel every single thing that they're going and um the guy who plays paul is just what a monster he is in this movie Mm -hmm. um you know in a lot of horror movies and stuff or even just like it's it's pretty common thing now we you know audiences like their um their villains to be a bit charismatic they like to sort of you know Mm -hmm. root for the villain at times and have fun with the villain you know like we brought friday the 13th jason is the star of those movies he's the protagonist he's who you come to see um that's why a lot of people were so upset with Halloween ends because Michael Myers is sidelined through so much of that film. Yeah. It's. And yeah, you love to see him kill babysitters. That's the whole point, right? It's, yeah. um, but, not this, um, not this guy. No, Paul, no, there is nothing likable about Paul. He is, he's even to his partner. He's a bully. He's he bullies everybody around him. He takes. You know, it's like a lot of the time they'll do these like, you know, um, psychopath sort of sadist characters who really, really enjoy putting through people and stuff. And they do it with a smile on their face. You never even really get a sense that Paul like really enjoys it too much. Like he's never really soaking up and reveling in the torture or anything. Yeah, it's almost like he's got a job to do, and by God, he's gonna do it. And yeah, he he t- he takes much more pleasure in knowing that he's making you uncomfortable than he mm-hmm. is torturing these people. Yeah, and j- the 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 way he does the wink, man, it's just perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Peter, to a large degree, is just kind of along for the ride. But also, I don't know, there's there's still something about that actor's performance where he goes just back and forth from almost like almost childlike innocence. And then very clearly, no, not so much. Um, And what's Peter is never shown that he's aware he's in a movie. Right. Right. He's just this other guy. And they 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 set up this almost like redemption arc with him. Right. Where they keep they uh, Paul keeps calling him Tubby. He keeps making fun of him and he's like, stop calling me that. Stop calling me that. And they mm-hmm. almost they they do that scene where um, Paul goes to chase uh, the kid and uh, Peter stays behind and stuff. And they set up this like almost like trying to get Peter to turn on Paul. He's just like. No, he's just he's just a murderer. It's yeah, man. Yeah, these are good um, actors. These are really good actors. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, again, the comment about the lack of score, all you get is diegetic sound. Um, mm -hmm. That's that works really well for this film. Um, yeah. Knowing that we are a participant in this film. It just it, it all makes it much more real. Um, I think it, they could have done some fun stuff with throwing score in there and playing with it in the, hey, yeah. we're all on board with this type of way, right? Um, that's a possibility. Did they do that with the, uh, the remake? No, the, the remake is 100% shot for shot the same. Okay. Like, they just straight up that's, remade this movie. That's what I figured. Um, just from the little bit that I read about it, that's what it sounded like. So, yeah, um, it's um, it's interesting. Um, did I read somewhere that the director had always wanted to do this with an English speaking cast mm -hmm. and just it was couldn't? intended. Th this movie was intended to be directed at American audiences. He wanted to shoot it in America with American speaking because he wanted he wanted okay. this to be an American film. And they just weren't able to secure the budget and stuff, so he made it in um, Austria instead. And um, I guess he was always sort of disappointed that it never really took off in America, that they never really got the, the audience that the movie was intended for. And yeah, they just sort of were able to put together enough money. Um, the, this, this film was um, praised not so much. But there are definitely film critics really like appreciated what the movie was doing and stuff. And it got a bit of an audience. Um, I can't remember when it got uh, put in the Criterion Collection or whatever. But I believe like the actors and stuff, like Naomi Watson, um, oh, Tim Roth, I think, is the guy who plays George in the movie. Um, they, they all sort of took like really low salaries and stuff and they got the American done. Yeah. And hmm. um, it still didn't do. Still didn't do great. Um, yeah, I, I remember yeah, it, it reviewed worse as well. Mm. Um, I remember people kind of praising Michael Pitt's performance. Um, yeah, um, he did, he's I always thought that he did a pretty good job. But like now, having seen this version, I think all the actors have nail it just perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I, you definitely get a sense of the horrific pain uh, from the actor that plays uh, Jörg. But, yeah. Um, and then the child actor, not that I need a kid to be living in fear and terror and pain and everything, but uh, he sells it. Just the wild-eyed look on his face when he's trying to escape. Yeah. Um, yeah, I buy it. Um, yeah, not really good cast all the way around. Um, and again, great that it was so contained this, you know, other than having to actually rent the location, um, Hey, I can see how it could be made for very little money. Um, cause there's not a lot going on with this thing other than nope. a little bit of set dressing. So yeah. Yeah. They, they, they use what they have very, very effectively. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of those things in filmmaking, too, that just produces really great movies, too. Uh, yeah. People just working with what they have and, you know, just absolutely maximizing all those little bits and pieces. So, yeah, yeah. that's cool. 
Um, I'm interested to hear what else you find out uh, by playing around with the uh, the Criterion disc. When yeah, you my Criterion disc is being it's it's out for delivery right now. I'm sitting here. I've been checking it a couple times to see are, if are it's you, getting closer. I was just going to ask, are they doing the thing with uh, you are so many stops away? <laughs> no, I haven't got to that point yet. They, uh, they, uh, probably soon I'll get I'll get that like, oh, five stops away. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'll do tonight is I'll break open that uh the the Criterion booklet, read the little essay there. I believe there's some um some interviews with uh Michael Heineke on there. So looking forward to those. Yeah. Well that's cool, man. Um I, there's probably so much more that could be said about this film, and I, I'm dying to tear into some of those interviews that you were talking about with the director. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um I, I really don't have too much more to say about this, I guess, until I'm able to digest it a little bit more. It's, yeah. This is going to stick with me for a minute. Yeah. Like, um, like I said, I watched it. And it I should. This in, I watched this in 2007 and it's, it really stuck with me then since I was like a, you know, like a, a preteen or whatever. This movie's really been eaten away at me. <laughs> Well, I would have been a senior in high school probably if I had seen this uh, in its original release, but uh, it's it probably at the time would have been a little bit more highbrow than I was into. But uh, yeah, it's uh, wow. I, I appreciate the opportunity to dig into this. So I, yeah, I def- definitely I'm, thank cool you for that. But I got to be here for the first time you watched it. I'm the, I wasn't aware of that at the time. I picked it. So that's, that's really fun. Yeah. Well, and like we talked about yesterday, uh, definitely as far as criterion is concerned, pour one out for the 16 or so people that, uh, just got laid off. That's Mm -hmm. really unfortunate. I know it's a very small company as it is. I think they only have like 80 employees or something like that, but, uh, yeah, that's awful. Um, it's a damn shame. Um, buy those criterion discs. You they know? do good yeah. Criterion Collection. Um, physical media is not what it used to be. Um, art house film is not what it used to be. Uh, if if you're a fan of cinema and you're a fan of uh, letting people make interesting non-blockbuster movies, please support the Criterion Collection. Um, uh, or did you watch the movie His House? Not yet, but I did hear about it leaving Netflix and not yeah, having any physical is, copies anywhere. It is being taken off. It's a really great movie. It's being taken off Netflix. Um, it might that's never the, see the light of day again. Oof! And that's the the really sad thing about the streaming world that we live in now. Um, it's I, I've definitely bought physical copies of movies that were released on streaming services if it's something that I really appreciate. You know, I've got. Yeah. Uh, a copy of um, oh god I can't think of the director's name I feel really embarrassed about this right now but scare me um hmm, great film about uh, a struggling author who goes to uh, a cabin by a lake to work on his book he's dealing with a bad breakup and there's this author that struck it rich with her first book who's in a neighboring cabin well one night the power goes out and they decide to just hang out and tell scary stories to each other and drink some beer and order some pizza. Uh, it is entertaining as oh, hell. Oh, Josh Rubin. I like Josh yes. Rubin a bit. Yeah. 
He is so good in this movie. And, oh. uh, you know, Werewolves Within was a ton of fun, too, of course. But this one being basically a cast of four people and mostly oh, just the two out. leads. Oh, it's a ton of fun. I absolutely had to buy a disc of that. And uh, Host, the, uh, the Zoom call horror film from the first year of the pandemic. Yep. Host was pretty uh, good. Oh, God. It's a very, very effective film and uh, very efficient use of your time. You get all the scares in in barely over an hour. Yeah. But, um, uh, but yeah, uh, I know Criterion's done Netflix releases in the past. I really okay. hope that they, some, they or Shout Factory or somebody picks up his house because that's a really great film that people should watch. Yeah, I definitely need to give that one a watch. Um, yeah, I know it's been on my Netflix list. For quite some time, I've just never gotten around for uh, around yeah. to it. So, but yeah, oh, thanks for the reminder for sure. Because uh, I've seen that all over the place on the internet that it's leaving, and it's just yeah. it's sad. Yeah, um, but uh, that's again where we're kind of at with this stuff. Yeah, the state state of uh the state of movie making is is not good if you're not into superhero movies. <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's unfortunate. Well, yeah. Brandon, uh, again, I don't have really anything else to say about this film at this point, but uh, if you would like, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jose Ruckus. Uh, they can watch uh, the or listen to the podcast HBO Max, M-A-K-S, that I do with uh, our, our friend and previous guest on this show, McKenna May. Um, you came on to review my favorite movie of all time, Blade Runner, on that show. So people should go check that out. That That's a really was a fun episode. Ton of fun. That was a ton yeah. of fun. Um, yeah. And what should people leave in the comments on this movie? Oh, um, uh, so I'm gonna issue an apology to anybody that I made watch this movie. I'm sorry that I put you through that. And uh, you can uh, accept my apology in the comments. <laughs> there, there you go. That that'll work. That's uh, perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. Um, well, yeah. Again, thanks for coming on, and we will figure something else out in the future. Oh, I've got sure. some ideas. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> uh, but this has been Murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Please like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. I'll be back soon enough with another episode. But until next time, stay spoopy, everyone.